study, so we're going to study, look at a lot of scripture tonight. The title is Getting Caught in the Web, all right? Don't, don't, get, don't, get, don't get caught in the web, all right? So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, let me say, if you're here, I, I, I believe most everybody here is saved, but if there was someone here that was not saved, I want you to understand that what I'm doing tonight is primarily trying to give instruction to Christians about how they should live the Christian life. All right, having said that, there are principles in the study that will help anybody. Look, if, if you do a Bible study on work, whether you're saved or lost, you can become a better worker and be more productive from what you read in the book of Proverbs than if you had never read it at all. Can I get a witness on that? All right, so, so there are things in the Bible that translate beyond salvation, but I do want to make clear, if you're not saved and you walked out of here tonight and said, that's it, I'm giving up social media, but you still have never become a born-again believer, you'll still die without Jesus Christ and go to a place that God never wanted you to go, a place called hell. The only thing that can save you is not giving things up, but rather accepting the free gift of eternal life by becoming a born-again believer and trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. So if you're here tonight and you're not saved and you've got questions about what, what does that mean to be saved, what does it mean to be born again, don't leave without getting that, that question settled tonight. We want to answer that for you because the majority of this is... Is not going to be about that. Uh, having said that, 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, and let's uh, start reading in verse uh, number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and by the way, just a little bit of a, a context for you. Paul uh, writes uh, half the New Testament, and uh, he writes a number of churches. The church of Corinth is one of them. And the church of Corinth is uh, the most carnal church that he addresses. Uh, the church of Corinth has issues from uh, uh, people being divided carnally and saying, I like this preacher. No, I like this preacher. And Paul has to address that uh, to people gossiping about one another, to people suing one another. Christians, instead of settling things within the body of Christ, making a shame and a mockery of the name of Jesus Christ and going to public courts and dragging the testimony of the Lord through the mud. These are the issues. I mean, in, in chapter five, I, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but you got a man that's living in fornication that's so bad that Paul says, man, the Gentiles don't even do this stuff. It's pretty bad, right? And, and so all through the book of, of, of Corinthians, first and second, Paul is addressing the carnality of the church of Corinth. And in there, we find some great instruction. Look, if you would, at uh, verse number 11, and such were some of you. You say, what is that? Well, that, that's a reference to the things that he mentions in verse 9 and 10, the things that used to be your identity before you were saved. Aren't you glad now that you're saved, your identity is found in Christ? Isn't that a blessing? All right, look, if you would, at verse uh, number 11, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me. In other words, there is nothing that I can do to lose my salvation. There is not, I, I am free to, to do anything I want, and, and as far as the law is concerned, it has no power over me because I'm a born-again child of God. My sins are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ, and my soul and my flesh no longer touch each other. I cannot lose my salvation because, man, if you could, you would have lost it. Amen? All things are lawful unto me, but look what it says, but all things are not expedient. Remember this, just because you can doesn't mean you should. All things are lawful for me. And I want to kind of focus on this latter part of the verse, but I will not be brought under the power of any. 
Look down, if you would, at verse number 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whose? So the principle here is this. Your life, once you're saved, is not just about you. And, and, and if you are a wise Christian... What you're going to learn to do is look at life like this. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. And just because I can doesn't mean I should, especially if the thing that I'm going to engage in is going to bring me under its power. For the rest of your life, you are going to be under the power of something. Under the influence, if you will. And what you want to do as a Christian is you want to stay under the influence of Jesus Christ and not the elements of this world. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. We'll pick it up here in just a moment. Father, we love you. We thank you for your instruction in your word. And God, we thank you so much for, uh, Lord, the, the, the guidelines, Lord, the principles that you lay out, Lord, every single word that you put in this book that was perfectly preserved for us to help us, Lord, to, to allow us to walk more closely with you. Lord, I pray that you would use tonight's study. Lord, help us as we interact with technology that wasn't here 20 years ago. And we interact with media that wasn't here 20 years ago. And Lord, all the things that are at our disposal, Lord, we understand from previous studies, Lord, we can, we can use these things as long as we don't abuse them, uh, Lord, but the potential, Lord, for us to be brought under the power of these things, Lord, would you help us to be aware of it, and Lord, would you help us to avoid being under, uh, under the power of anything that isn't led by the Holy Spirit of God. We ask for your leading, we ask for your guiding and direction, and God, I pray for conviction if that's what you want, Lord, if you desire for us to be under conviction, Lord, uh, maybe some reassurance of things, whatever it might be, I pray you'd have your way tonight. Lord, starting with the preacher, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Be seated if you would. Let, let me just say this, that if you go back to the beginning of the chapter, look at verse number one, what Paul does is he invokes the believers of, uh, in Corinth, and he says, uh, listen guys, you should not be bringing your judgment matters to the world. Why? Because the world should not be judging the things that you already know that you should be judging because you've got the Holy Spirit of God and you've got the Scriptures. Those are the two S's in your life that will help you stay out of trouble. The Scriptures and the Spirit of God. And rather than going to the world to, 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 uh, to resolve disputes in your life and in your mind, you should go to the Scriptures and lean on the leading of the Spirit of God in your life to know that which is right or wrong. So this entire chapter starts in context of knowing what is proper judgment. How many times have you heard someone say out in the world, judge not lest you be not judged? Anybody ever heard that before? And if you ever spend any time witnessing to somebody, they will say things like this. Why are you always judging me, right? They'll say things like that. They'll, they'll say, why, why are you judging? Why are you looking down? And the answer is this. I'm not looking down on you. I'm not condemning you. I'm not judging you. I'm trying to help you out of the judgment you are already under. That's my job. So, so the world's going to have it backwards. They're not always going to have it right. Uh, John chapter 7, you don't have to turn there, but John 7 says this. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. You know what that tells you? That God, when God gives you a command, God gives you a command to do something that he's going to enable you to do. In other words, on your own, you cannot make righteous judgment. But with the scriptures and the spirit of God in your life, you can absolutely do it. You can say, this is right, 
and this is wrong. I, I watched, uh, not, not too long ago, watched a, a man, uh, a pastor, uh, debate with an atheist, and uh, he's, the atheist is saying, basically, uh, according to humanism, we don't have absolute right and wrong. And so the pastor goes, so you're telling me that it's not wrong uh, for uh, people that take children and abuse them in all kinds of ways. That's okay. No, I didn't say that. Well, then who says it's wrong? Where's the final authority that says it's wrong? Do you realize the spirit of the age, the next generation is already starting to creep in, guys. It's, it's being crammed down the, the society's throats that it's okay to take children to public exhibitions where people are doing inappropriate things in the name of tolerance. That's wickedness. America has lost its way because Christians are no longer salt and light that they ought to be. When we started going, hey, maybe it's not that big of a deal. The world goes, well, if they don't think it's a big deal and the salt and the light's not preserving and not shedding the light, then they just continue on in their degradation and in their darkness. You say, why? Because we said it's not that big of a deal. Let me tell you right now, things that we say aren't a big deal, 50 years ago, lost people had a problem with. And we're looking at things, oh, it's not that big. When do we stop and go, hey, man, we've crossed the line. You know where you do that? By going to the Bible. Not with your own ideas, not with what you think is right or wrong, but by saying, God, what do you have to say about this? Uh, the Bible says about the Spirit of God, when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Judgment is part of the Christian life. You cannot live the Christian life the right way without judging things the right way. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, a couple chapters to the left. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're coming on it. We are living right now in a generation, not just of lost people, but of Christians that just don't find a problem with anything. <laughs> like everything's okay. As long as society, listen, I'm going to say this right now. If you base what is right or wrong based on what's legal, well, it's not illegal to smoke weed. Okay, well, it wasn't illegal to throw Jews in prison camps in Auschwitz and Treblinka. Was that okay? Well, it was legal. You better find a final authority to lead you in your life or you're going to be a mess. You better learn to say, God said it, it's right, therefore I need to align myself with that. All right? Uh, look at for, you say, why am I talking about this? Because when you get online, you are opening your mind up to all kinds of things. I didn't say it's all bad. I didn't say you can't go online. But you have to properly judge. And you can't do that if you're not walking in the Spirit and walking through the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look if you would, at verse number 14. When a lost person says the Bible is too hard to understand, I, I stop and say, the problem is you have never met the author, and the author does not live inside of you. That's the real issue. It's not that we need to change the Bible. It's you need to change and get born again. But look at verse 14. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they, the things of God, are spiritually discerned. But look at verse 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth what? How many things? How many? I want a little more. How about, let's, all, let's try this again. How many? Oh, all right, all things. You say, why? Because you, if you're going to live every day, guys, you are making judgment calls yep. on what's right and wrong. You're like, whether you realize it or not, all right? And, 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 and what the, the problem is this. Sometimes the judgment calls that you're making are based on what society says is okay rather than on what God says is right or wrong. And, and, and listen, let's go a step further. If you want to advance in your job, 
Do you do the least amount necessary to keep your job? No, you go to schooling. Brother Stephen just went through some uh, traffic control schooling. Get that right? I was going to say radar. I don't know if that was right. Whatever it is, uh, stuff to make sure people don't die when the airplane's landing and taking off. We appreciate people that do what you do. All right? It takes some judgment. Aren't you glad the air traffic controllers make proper judgment so you can stay alive when you land and when you take off? All right. Well, you as a Christian are supposed to do the same exact thing. You can't do that if you base what is right and wrong on what society says. It changes all the time. You have to find something that's fixed. And as a Christian, the Bible is that fixed thing for your life. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Go with me there real quickly. Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter 4. You know what God is not? God is not the author of confusion. And I will tell you, there's only so much you can fit in your mind without becoming confused. You can only fit so much Bible preaching. I've watched this for years now. And I'm thankful that on Sundays, you know, we got a, a problem with space and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, if every person that started coming to this church from the beginning was still here, you wouldn't have bro- brothers and sisters. Uh, we would have already had a new building. You know what happens to a lot of Christians? They go so far, and I'm not going to try to preach Sunday's message right now, but they go so far, and then they realize, okay, I'm at a, I'm at a crossroads where I've got to make a decision between do I stick with the Bible or do I stick with my family? Do I stick with the Bible or do I stick with my friends? Do I stick with the Bible or do I stick with what my coworkers think is okay? Do I stick with the Bible? So on and so forth. Do you understand what I'm saying? And at a certain point, you've got to go, no, God is right, and this is what's going to lead and guide my life. Uh, Look at Hebrews chapter number 4, and look what it says here about the Word of God and what it's able to do for you and in the lives of others. Look at Hebrews 4. Verse 12, Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick, that means it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit in the joints of mirror, and watch this, and is a discerner. You know what a discerner is? Something that can discern, something that can judge. A discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Do you realize that book is like a mirror and it's looking back at you and it's telling you why you're doing what you're doing? And the more time you spend in it, the more you have the ability to say this is right and this is wrong. Now, the reason I mention all that is this. When it comes to going online, when it comes to anything to do with the technology that's at our fingertips, you have got to get to a place where you go, I need to judge whatever I'm looking at, whatever I'm listening to, whatever I'm, I'm uh, 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 listen, audiobooks, great, great resources as well. But anytime you're listening to something, looking at something, scrolling through something, you ought to ask yourself, how does this align with the word of God? If you're not doing that, let me tell you something right now. Your mind's being infiltrated with other things, and eventually it's going to change how you think, and it's going to change how you live. Because the, the battle right now is for your mind and for your heart. If the devil can change how you think and the seed of your emotions, he can get you to change your entire life. Look, I, I've watched Christians that are on fire, at church, sh- singing, shouting, excited for God on one week, and man, you can't find them with the FBI the next week. Why is that? In, in part, they have not decided that it's not my emotions that rules my life. It's the word of God. It's not what my family says. It's the Bible. It's not what the friend, it's the Bible. If, that, if you can get a hold of that in your life, it'll help you a lot. A lot of Christians don't. All right, now listen to me. Think about, think about this, guys. When the devil approaches Adam and Eve, and I'm not going to have you go there. We've been to it there before. You know how he approaches them? He approaches them with the idea that they're missing out. We call that FOMO today, right? You're missing out, and you need to know something, and you know what? 
God's holding you back. Because you could be as God's, what, what is it, knowing good and evil. Now let me say this, knowledge by itself is not a problem. God wants you to have knowledge. God wants you to know things. Uh, but the Bible says, look at Proverbs chapter 9. Go to Proverbs 9. This is Bible study. We're going to look at the of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. First time a young man stumbles across something online that he has no business looking at. If he's a saved, born-again child of God, the Holy Spirit says, run, get away. And there's an icky, there's an icky feeling in the pit of your stomach. And then after a while, that's, that feeling goes away because you just jade yourself. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what will help you with that? The fear of God. Yeah. Look at Proverbs 9. Look, if you, would, if, you, if you thought God was sitting right next to you, you wouldn't say the things you'd say. You wouldn't do the things. You understand what I'm saying? Some of you husbands would talk more respectfully to your wives and vice versa. You'd have a little more grace with people. Can I get a witness? You wouldn't say certain things when you're in traffic in Denver. Amen, right? That you think no one's listening to, but God is, right? Look at Proverbs 9. Look, if you would, at verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the what? Is what? All right, so God doesn't have a problem with knowledge, but you know what he wants? He wants you to have knowledge of the holy. I just read in Jeremiah today where it says, talks about the generation in Jeremiah's day, how they were ignorant concerning God's knowledge, but they were wise to do evil. I can't think of a better verse that, that really exemplifies the generation in which we live. I don't know anything about God, but man, you talk about certain things that should not be mentioned in mixed company. Oh, I know all about that. You say, where'd you get it? I'll tell you where you got it. You got it from a cesspool called the internet. It doesn't mean everything online is bad. doesn't mean we don't put messages online. doesn't mean we don't have a social media account for our church. But I'm going to tell you right now, you have got to use discernment when it comes to the technology and the devices that you're using in your life. Uh, I know we did this a long time ago. For some of you, it's going to be kind of a review. But for those that are kind of new around here, uh, you may not be as familiar with this. Uh, you ought to, we're going to do a couple, uh, look at a couple verses right now where the Bible uses the word devices. And see the connotation of that word in the Bible. All right, you know what this is? This is a device. You know what this is? This is a device. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. However, what does the Bible say about devices? Look at Psalm chapter number 10. Psalm chapter number 10. By the way, if you run these references, and we don't have time to do all the, the cross references, but if you were to do that and actually study this word out, what you would find out is, that devices are something that the devil uses, and more specifically, from a prophetic standpoint, something that the, that the Antichrist is going to use to bring the entire world together under a one-world government. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's prophecy. That's Bible. All right? Uh, now, now, let me tell you, we're, we're not going to go tonight. We're not talking about the Bilderbergers, the Trilateral Commission, or the, you know, what, the Illuminati, the secret societies, and the secret handshakes, and the Masons, and whatever else. I'm not going to go down that road. Some of you are knee-deep in that stuff. You need to spend more time in your Bible. All right? We're not going to go down that road. But the Bible clearly teaches that there is a person that wants to oppose that which is right, that which is God. He opposes the knowledge of God, 2 Thessalonians 2. His name is the Antichrist. All right? and, and when he shows up, what is he going to use? Technology. Uh, look at Psalm chapter number 10. Psalm 10. Do you know what would be good for some of you young, young people to go out and do? Go for a hike. Turn your phone off. You know what would be good for some of you old people to do? Go for a hike and turn your phone off. I mean, like, go garden, go, you know, uh, do some yard, sweat. We live in one of the most beautiful states in the country. Turn the phone off and get outdoors and do something out there. 
You say, why? Because, man, that's liberating for your mind. When you're constantly glued to a device, there's harmful things that can happen in your mind. Look at Psalm chapter 10. Psalm chapter 10, look at verse number 2. The wicked, and and parents, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. I'm just going to throw this out there. I believe you're foolish if you put stuff like that in a kid's room. It's your business. You're the mom, you're the dad, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I walked up here with a Glock, and I gave it to, to Sonny right here. So there you go, Sonny. You go, oh, oh, well, Pastor, does it have a safety on it? No, it's a Glock. There ain't no safety on a Glock. Is that right? All right. Uh, all right. Some of you know about guns. You're like, yeah, that's right. All right. But, but you understand, if I, you'd be all nervous and scared. What are you doing? And yet the kid turns 10 years old and like, here's the phone. More kids are kidnapped and killed because of technology than guns in America. Do you know that? I know there's people that would have you believe opposite, but that's not true. There's more that goes on in human trafficking because of technology that unites people the wrong way. Listen, the body of Christ is meant to unite us the right way under the banner of the truth versus the Tower of Babel where man gets together on his own and kicks God out. That, my friends, is technology. Look at Psalm 10, verse number 2. The the, the wicked is pride to persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the what? That they... Have imagined, look at Psalm chapter 37, Psalm 37, Psalm 37, look if you would, at ver- I mean, think about it, man, you've got to go through all kinds of classes to drive, you've got to go through God knows what anymore, and it's going to get worse and worse if you want to own a gun, all right, and look, some of you don't like guns, and fine. I don't want people to die, I just, just, let me get this off my chest for a moment, all right, uh, l- let me say it like this. It is the heart of man that causes that thing to become a dangerous weapon. But I'm going to say something because it's factually true. More people are killed because of the internet than there are guns. Worldwide and in America. And if you want to argue that, we'll look at statistics after church. No problem with the facts. You know what facts are? They're stubborn things. And you're being spoon-fed this, oh, you just got to get rid of the guns, you got to get rid of the guns, everything will get better. Uh, hey, you get rid of guns, you know what people do? They whack each other with knives. You get rid of the night. Now, you go, well, pastor, you're trying to say get rid of the phones. I didn't say get rid of the phones. I said, you better know what you're dealing with. Because there's far more danger in the technology that we're handing our kids than, you, than, than there would be in handing. I'm not saying they hand a kid a gun. That's stupid. I'm using an illustration. Can you bear with me on that, guys? All right. Uh, Psalms uh, chapter 37. Look, if you would. I can just see it now. Pastor Adrian said we should give kids guns. I didn't say that. I didn't say that, all right? What I'm saying is this. Some of you don't bat an eye about giving him a phone. But you get nervous. If you have a, you know, a day at the shooting range, oh, we don't want our kid to go, and you don't know what could happen, but you give him a phone. Or they can see all kinds of evil things on that phone that will mess with their mind for the rest of their lives. Look at Psalm 37. Look, if you would, at verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. Because of the man, this is the man of sin, 2 Thessalonians 2. Because of the man who bringeth wicked what? Look at Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter number 18. You know one of the worst things that God could do to you? Is let you have your own way. Let you have the fill of your own devices. Look at Jeremiah chapter 18. Look at how this word is used in your Bible. Jeremiah 18, verse number 12. And they said, there is no hope. But we will walk after our own what? Now, you know what happens after you look at something for so long and after you listen to something for so long? You start to mimic that thing. 
when I lived, believe it or not, when I lived in uh, Tennessee, and uh, uh, people talk a little bit different there, okay? Hendersonville, you say, what's that? Hendersonville. Louisville. You say, what's Louisville? That's Louisville. Okay? All right. Government. You say, what's government? Government. That's government. Okay? So, so, but when I lived there, I lived there for almost five years, I would come home for the holidays, and they go, it's the funniest thing in the world, Puerto Rican with a southern accent, you know? You say, why? Because I was around it. What you're around influences you more than you realize. Look at, uh, look if you would at, uh, oh, same chapter, look at verse 18. Jeremiah 18, look at verse 18. Then said they, come and let us devise devices against Jeremiah. That was the prophet of God. So far, what you're learning is this. Go to Daniel chapter 11. Every time that word shows up in your Bible, it's, it's a negative connotation. Does that mean you can't have a phone or I can't? I didn't say that, but you better beware of what it has the potential to do in your life. Look at Daniel chapter number 11. Daniel chapter number 11. This is literally prophecy about the Antichrist and how he's going to come in and take over the world. Look at Daniel 11. Look at verse 24. We know that this is the same one that comes on a white horse and a bow, but no arrow. He comes in, quote-unquote, peaceably, right? Like all the aliens do. We come in peace, right? And so the Antichrist shows up and says, I come in peace. And the world's going to be looking for someone that can bring peace. And the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians that when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction shall come upon them. I'll be glad, I'm glad I'll be out of here by then. Uh, but, but just so you understand, the things that are going to happen in the tribulation, the world's getting ready for it right now. There's conditioning going on right now. Look at Daniel 11, and look, if you would, at verse number 24. He shall enter peaceably even upon the fattest places of the province, talking about the land of Israel, and he shall do that which his fathers have not done, nor his father's fathers. He shall scatter among them the prey, the spoil and riches, yea, and he shall forecast his what? talking about Star Wars stuff, satellites. You say, what do you mean? Against the strongholds. This is about military uh, conquest. This is technology being used for the taking of power. Uh, Look at the the very next verse. And he shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they shall forecast what? Against him. So what what I want you to understand, and now in light of that, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. In light of that, I want you to understand that there are things that are used in society today to trap the minds of people. And just because you're saved doesn't mean you're immune to it. Right? Your mind and your heart can be trapped. A young man can get addicted to pornography like that. And, and, and let me say, a young lady can get addicted to constantly wanting to glorify her body because that's how girls get attention online. You go, well, well, I'm just glad this message is all about the young people. Oh, you old folks ain't skating off that easy. Uh, This is the reason why people find themselves gossiping about other people. You know, man, back in the day, it took work to gossip. You had to pick up the phone and call somebody. You don't do that anymore. You just send messages all day long. You understand what I'm saying? I, I mean, I've watched Christians go online and bash other Christians. You say, what is that? That is the epitome of carnality. Do you know what, that, do you know what the, the phone is? Do you know what the, the device is? It's a vehicle for good or for evil. And if you're not careful, you'll get sucked into the evil. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And look, if you would, at verse number 11. 
I know you guys are perfect saints and you never have any problems with any of that stuff, but uh, for those people watching online, I'm sure they need this, right? Amen. Uh, Look at verse number 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his... Now, my wife warned me not to run up and down the stairs, so I'm not running. I'm walking. Look at this. Devices. Do you know who's behind devices? The devil. Now, I'm not telling you that, you know, the phone is the devil or the computer is the devil, but I'm telling you this. Uh, you know what God made? God made the trees. He made the grass. He made the fish. Young men, go catch some fish, right? You know what young men used to do? They'd go out and kill stuff and eat it. Like, you know, like not Taco Bell burrito eating, like, like, <laughs> like whoever went out and killed the meat first, right? Like, and, and everything now is so virtual, I'm not picking on them. I, we got some great young men here. I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying society is taking young men, and listen very carefully, they're making them effeminate by taking them away from nature, which God put them in, and giving them a screen. You know what boys aren't meant to do? I don't care if you think boys and girls are the same. Go get your head checked out. I don't believe it. I won't believe it until the day I die. You put boys and girls in a room. I don't care if it's politically correct or not, but... Listen, there's coming a day when what I'm saying right now is probably going to be illegal, but for now, we're going to say it, and, and we'll say it then as well. But, but boy, boys and girls, are, you put them in a room, watch boys. Sunday, the boys got up, and here's what they did. I love mom. She cooks for me. She cleans. I love you, mom. Girls get up. Mom, you're my best friend. I remember when I was four years old, and you're like my soulmate. I mean, they're not the same. Come on. They're not the same. All right? Let me tell you something. I'm not saying that any kid should be stuck to a device, but especially young men. There's something wrong about a young man that's always stuck to a device. And it's something the devil wants to use in your life to make you addicted and bring you under the power of what's going on out there rather than what God's trying to deal with inside of you. There are things inside of you that you'll never have time to think about if you're constantly inundated with images and video and music and this and that from what's out there. Uh, And what I'm trying to get you to understand is that there's a reason for that. A device is something that's crafted, that is made specifically for a purpose, and usually, according to Webster's 1828, not for good but for evil. So be careful. That's the message. Be careful. Don't get caught. Uh, you know, uh, over and over and over, I'm going I'm to quote a couple verses, but over and over and over, you know how the Bible uses that word net? It says, don't get caught, don't get caught, don't get caught. Isn't it interesting that we have the internet and we have the worldwide web? And you know what that is? It can be a snare. I'm not saying it always has to be, but I can tell you this right now. What the devil wants to use it for in your life is to trap you. Now, if you think for a moment Pastor Adrian sits at home and prays all day and uses a candle and doesn't turn lights on and they have horse and buggy, they don't use car. No, man, I didn't, I didn't say that. We're not Amish, all right? I'm not saying go that way. I, I'm simply trying to get you to understand you've got to know what you're dealing with. And the problem with most Christians, they, just, they have no idea. And if you grew up with the phone in your hand your whole life, you know nothing else. You don't know what time when there wasn't a phone in your hand, right? And what I'm trying to tell you is we survived before it was in our hands. All right, we, we did. Now, now, now what, I'm, what I'm trying to get you to understand is this, is that 
the thing itself, no differently than any weapon or something like that, it can be used for good. You can use a weapon for self-defense and save someone's life. You understand that? You realize people can get saved by what they watch and what they hear on the internet. You understand that? So we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but you better understand that it can be a trap. All right, let me just read some verses for you. Uh, uh, Psalm chapter 9, that the heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made in the net which they had their own foot taken. Psalm 10, he lieth in wait secretly as the lion is in. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. Do you realize that uh, right now over, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, spook you out or anything like that, uh, but what the world's getting ready for is a system which by you can't buy and you can't take place in commerce if you're not a good boy and you don't have a mark and you're not part of the global economy. We're not there yet. I get that. But boy, they're experimenting with stuff. How are they going to do it? With the net. With the net. Now you go, well, pastor, we're not going to be here for the Great Tribulation. Why would that matter? Let's put that aside. Let's talk about where you're at right now in 2023. You know what's really a problem in your life? You ought to be reading your Bible and you're in a net. You ought to be thinking about pure things and you're caught in a net. You ought to be singing melody in your hearts to the Lord and praising Him and giving Him thanks, but you're caught in a net. Uh, let, let me just, just a quick survey. Anybody here ever get online to do something that's actually important, and 30 minutes later you're like, what did just happen? You know, it would be far better for you to go to your Bible and go, I need to look something up, and go 30 minutes later and go, oh, man, what, what just happened? You will always be free from certain things, but when you're free from certain things, that means you're going to be a servant to others. You understand that? If you are free from sin, then you can become a servant of Christ. If you say, I want to be free from God, then you'll be a servant to sin. You can't ever be free from everything. You understand that? You will always be under the power of something. The question is, what are you being brought under the power of? Look at Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. You know what I wish we could do sometimes? Spiritual breathalyzer. Some of you are going to get some bad memories from me saying breathalyzer. But, uh, you know, when you get pulled over and you're kind of... Today, we drove by a guy, and this guy, we're, we're coming off the exit there in Bennett, and this truck is kind of like, he's kind of on the off-ramp, kind of figuring out, do I want to stay on the side? Do I want to keep driving? And he kept doing that. Me and my wife passed by him. I said, babe, be careful. I looked in that guy's eyes, and I said, that guy's drunk. And uh, we've got the baby in the back, and we come to the stop sign, and that guy's not slow. And I said, Lord, please break that truck. I'm not making it up. It was almost like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be spooky. It was almost like something got in between our car and that car. But I'm telling you, that guy was not all there. He was under the influence of something. I, I'm, get, I'm guessing alcohol, maybe it was something else. But you know what I think would be really nice is if right at the door, not, not alcohol breathalyzer, don't worry, don't get, somebody getting real concerned. But, but, but rather than a breathalyzer to check alcohol, a breathalyzer to check what spiritual influence you're under. Before you walk in, Blow. Too much time online. Blow. <laughs> Gossip. Blow. Covetousness. Blow. Idolatry. You say, what, what do you mean by that? If, if you had that in your life, you'd, you'd change a little bit about your behavior, would you not? Well, let me say this. You actually do have that living inside of you. It's called the Spirit of God. The problem is, listen very carefully, when you have everything else turned up, you can't hear them. Now, I'm not a female, and I thank God for that. I mean, I mean, honestly, it's hard being a woman. It is. I'm not making fun of them, 
I respect it. I'm not making fun of it. I'm, the, I'm like, man, respect, man. Respect, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, I think whatever, think about this, man, their bodies are just going through it the whole way through, the whole way through. And then we look at them and go, what's your problem? I'll tell you what their problem is. You ever try to push an eight-pound body out of yourself? You ever tried to, gentlemen, no, no, thank you. Why would a man want to do that? You know, we live in a weird time, guys. And when a man goes, I want to be a birthing person. No, you don't. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to get at. Ladies, um, you, you, you get put under some pressure in your life. And we don't completely understand it. And we, we kind of sometimes go, I don't get you. And let's be fair, you don't always get us. I can tell you this, my wife struggles because she can hear like five kids at one time. And she can literally go, here, you take this, and I heard what you said, and the juice is over there. And then like I'm listening to something, and she's talking to me, and 30 seconds later, are you listening to me? And I was like, no, I was listening to this other thing. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't do two things at once. And let, let me say, when it comes to your spiritual walk with the Lord, you know what's really hard to do? It's really, really hard when you got the volume turned all the way up. And the first thing you do in the morning is pick up your phone and start going. It's hard to hear the Spirit of God when you're under the influence of other things. It's not like, oh, man, you picked up your phone and now you're going to go kill someone. That's not even the message. The message is, you can't hear what God's trying to do in your life when you're under the influence of something else. Romans chapter 6, you are going to be free from some things and a servant to others. Romans chapter number 6, look if you would at verse number 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to what? Your servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness... Uh, look, at, look at verse 18. But being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. In other words, you were under this wrong authority. Now you're under the right authority, under the authority of God and his word. Under, you were under the spirit of the world. Now you're under the spirit of God. But as a believer, in a practical uh, sense, every single day, you are deciding what spiritual influence you are under. And I can tell you right now, there are some Christians that have gone swept up in political things. Listen, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't want to get into politics and all that kind of stuff, but I've heard Christians say, man, if this person doesn't win, man, then we're all done. Let me tell you something right now. God, God knows, and, and I'm not a Calvinist or anything like that, but you saying that shows me your value system is off. Listen, the Lord knows exactly. I'm not saying not to vote and all that kind of stuff. Exercise your right to vote and all that. But if you think to yourself, man, it's all over. Listen, it's over when God says it's over. That's the, that's the bottom line. When you get so swept up, I've watched Christians get online and everything's about, you know, the, the election. And this is, a, I've, I've lived long enough to watch enough election cycles and they always say the same thing. This is the greatest election of our lives. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is the most important election of our life. Every single time, every four years, they say the same thing for different reasons. I've watched Christians get swept up in that. And they quit talking about Jesus Christ. They talk about Trump or Biden or God knows whoever else. Oh, let me, let me ask you this. Is that your message? Is that what you should be talking about all the time? No. You know how you got there? You started listening. 
and you got one video, then you watch another video, then you watch another video, and before you know it, you're hours into this stuff, and it's starting to make you think more about that. Let me, let me, let me, let me throw this out. Let's say whatever your political party is, you believe your side is right, and you push that agenda, and you win. But you don't tell your neighbors about Jesus Christ. You lost. You think you won, but you lost. Because that's not going to matter in eternity. What's going to matter is the souls that you lead to Jesus Christ. So what happens is, when you get online, you have to be aware of the influences that you are under. All right? Look at Romans chapter 6, look at verse number 19. I speak after the manner of men because the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity and iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, look at this, ye were free from righteousness. You know, when someone goes, uh, God just, you know, God's too hard to serve. Okay, well, try the other master and tell me how it works out. You are never going to be free from serving. You are always going to be a servant to something, either to your addictions and your flesh or to the Lord Jesus Christ. But you can't be free from all service. You're going to serve something. So the question is, what influence are you under? Remember what Paul said at the beginning of the message? I will not be brought under the power of any. Here's another example. I got to have it. 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 You see, you know what you got to have it? Listen, my wife and I are talking about, uh, oh, I know what it was, getting uh, Olivia a bathing suit for summer. And this might sound crazy and silly to some of you guys. We're talking about it. She hadn't Googled it. She hadn't looked it up. She opens up her social media about 30 minutes after we talked about the first advertisement. You know what it was? That's creepy. And, and you see what happens. I got to have it. I got to have it. No, that's a silly example. But I mean, but you understand, in all reality, what happens with some people is they spend all their money because they're online all the time. You ever looked at, and I don't, I don't want to get too far off, but some of you go, I'm, I'm broke, preacher, I'm broke. Go pick up a few items at King Supers. Quit door dashing. You know what happens? You just get used to living in an online world where it's just only 20 bucks here. It's only 20 bucks here. You know what happens? I'm broke, preacher. I'm broke. I'm broke. I'm broke. I can't do what God, what God wants me to do. I'm in debt. All right. Well, you know what part of the problem is? You live your entire life online. Unplug a little bit. Unplug a little bit. Let me say this. There's a couple different webs to avoid in your life as a Christian. Can I give you this one? The web of distraction. The web of distraction. I'm going to read some statistics to you. This is from almost a decade ago. So this is probably different now. In 2014, 3,179 people were killed and 431,000 were injured in motor vehicle crashes involving distracted drivers being on their phones. I guarantee you, in his line of work, he's seen some of that. All right? And I guarantee you it's gone up. All right? 169.3 billion text messages were sent every month in the, in the U.S. in 2014. I'm not saying text messages are bad, but you mix that with driving, you know what happens? You get distracted from what you ought to be doing. Now, take that principle in the Christian life. And you know what happens? You get distracted from what you ought to be doing. And so much time is just sucked out of your life that could be devoted. How many, how many wish you could, I just wish we lived in the olden days, and I wish we could just all memorize Scripture. You realize you can memorize Scripture right now? You know you can do that? You know, if you just like weren't constantly scrolling, and you put Bible verses on note cards and wrote them out, you could memorize Scripture. Do you realize that if you weren't spending so much time online, you could get more... Bi- if you weren't doing that, and you weren't getting in an elevator, and the first thing you do is pull out your phone, you could talk to people in the elevator. 
if you weren't constantly doing this, you'd have time for other things. We, we don't have to be Amish to serve God today. You understand that, right? I'm not just talking about driving. I'm talking about when you ought to be in your Bible, when you ought to be with your kids. You know what our kids are growing up with, with parents that are constantly looking at devices? They shouldn't grow up like that. When you should be enjoying the outdoors, Brother Elvin and his wife Rosa went on a cruise to Hawaii. And he said it was the weirdest thing. You're in, the, you're in the most beautiful place in the world. Who wants to go to Hawaii? Anybody want to go to Hawaii? Raise your hand if you'd like to go to Hawaii. Who would like Brother Sean to pay for everyone to go to Hawaii? Amen? All right, let's do it. Let's, let's ask Brother Sean to do that. All right? Now, some of you are like, well, he doesn't have the money. That's all right. You ain't going anyways. All right? But if, if you could go there, you'd go, right? Okay. And if you got there, you know what you'd want to do? Do you, do you know what he said people on the boat were doing the entire time when they landed in Hawaii? You're in the most beautiful place on earth. You know what your problem is? You are stuck and you're distracted. Look at Deuteronomy 11. I want to show you something. Deuteronomy chapter 11. It's a web of distraction. God can use it and you can use it for good. You're not going to convince me though that you're spending too much time with the Lord's things and not enough time online. I'm not going to buy that. Uh, look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. And more importantly, the Lord doesn't buy that. I, I wonder sometimes if we were truly sold out financially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically to the Lord. And you approach every facet of your life like I'm giving it to God. I'm going to take better care of my vessel so I can live a longer life and be a witness for Jesus Christ as long as he has me here. I'm going to be more careful with my finances because I'm focused. I'm focused on ministering to others. I'm focused on my, my life mattering for something eternal in value. I'm focused on, uh, as it relates to my relationships, I'm going to be yoked up with people who want to serve God. Why? Because those relationships are going to have an effect on me. I am focused on the Lord. If we approach our lives with extreme focus, when it comes to eternal things, we'd be very different. And you know what wouldn't capture your attention all the time? The distractions. The things that are going on over here and over here and over here and over here and over here. Uh, when, uh, when we got the boys, one of the challenges that the, the doctors felt with our, our oldest was that he had an attention disorder thing. And let me just tell you something. It, it's called, let's just get him outside and let him run around a little bit. Amen? Uh, and, and you know, you know what? what a lot, I'll just tell you right now. When kids are always on video games, their minds are going to be jumping around. Don't walk out of here and say, Pastor said you can't play video games. Pastor's old-fashioned. I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you've got someone who can't focus on anything, there might be too much screen time going on. And you know what some of that is? It's a distraction. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. This message is called Other Reasons Why I'll Never Visit New Heights Baptist Church Again. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Look, if you would, at verse number 18. All right. Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul. And bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. You know what he's saying? Put the, how about this? Post the scripture everywhere you look. How about that for posting something? Now look what it says in verse number 19. And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thy, what do you do when you're sitting in your house? Ask yourself, what do you do when you're sitting in your house? Is it talking about the Lord? 
oh, pastor, do you just want us to sit around and like just talk about Jesus all day? No, but maybe a little bit more might be good for you. When thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way, what do you do when you're walking? You know what most people do when they're walking? When thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, so on and so forth. You know what God's giving Israel? Instruction on being extremely focused on his words. You know what sometimes, sometimes, you know what these devices can do? Just be a complete distraction. Complete distraction. Uh, you know, I've known some young people they're walking with the Lord, and all of a sudden they meet someone online. I'm not saying you can't meet a good person online. I'm just saying they meet someone online, and then they're gone. You say, what was it? A distraction. A distraction. H- how about this? The web of consumption. I'm going to give you some, some things to think about here, guys. The average American checks their mobile device 159 times a day. What if every time you got a nervous twitch, you're like, oh, i got to get my Bible. It doesn't really work that way, though, does it? You know it's more natural? Have you ever done this? Have you ever checked yourself when you go to do this? To, to like, why am I so consumed with this? I, I just, I pull it out, and they're like, why do I even pull it out? You know why you pull it out? It's been like, I don't know, three minutes since I checked it. Who knows what could have happened? How, how about this? How about you check how many times a day you go to this? I know this much, it's not 159 times a day for me. Seven in ten people surveyed, that 70% said they would feel depressed, panicked, or helpless if their mobile device was lost or stolen. I know Christians that leave their Bible at church for months at a time. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Constant use of cell phones, said a Psychology Today report, satisfies your hungry neurons with positive feedback of constant connectivity. Maybe the constant connectivity is not so good. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. It's consumption of your mind. Do you realize the devil wants your mind? He can't have your soul, but he wants your mind. And the Lord wants your mind. He talks about the renewing of your mind. Um, Look, if you would, at Ephesians 5. You know what else the devil wants? He can't take your soul if you're saved, but he wants your time. You know, time is more precious than money. What if you got all the money in the world and your time's up? can't use it Uh, you need time in order to use the resources that that you've been blessed with look at ephesians 5 let me ask you a question do you ever just stop and consider when you're going online is this necessary right now do i need this just ask yourself that no one's telling you to get rid of your facebook or i didn't say to get rid of your accounts or anything like but ask yourself before you go on is this necessary right now and look, if the Lord allows you to, to praise God for his goodness and, you, and he gives you a door of opportunity to do that online, I'm not saying not to do it. But I am saying this, you ought to stop and go, am I, what, how much time, where's my time going today? I hear people say all the time, I'm too busy. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. All right, well, where's your time going? Look at Ephesians 5, look at verse number 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Because of the pandemic in 2020, uh, playing online games went up by 40%. Now look, I recognize some people like games. It doesn't make you evil, okay? So don't walk out of here and go, Pastor hates me. I'm not saying that. What, what I am trying to get you to understand is that time goes a lot quicker than we realize when we're into something that we enjoy, and it can suck so much time out of our lives we don't realize it. Like a current that comes in on a beach and just sucks that sand away, 
the, the idea is this, is if you're not careful, more time than you're giving to God can be sucked away into things. Listen, God's given all, uh, us all things richly to enjoy. It's not that God wants you to afflict yourself like a monk in a monastery. You ought to enjoy life. You ought to go on vacation. You ought to enjoy nature. You ought to get out and do things. You ought to enjoy the life with your family. But I'm going to tell you right now, there is something that happened to this country and to society as a whole when we stopped living our lives in the real world and started living them in the virtual world. We're not the same anymore. And it's not all good. <laughs> all right? Americans spend approximately three and hours and 20 minutes watching broadcast TV or streaming it on their devices. That's a whole lot of time. 4.2 hours per day on mobile gaming. Now, I don't think anyone's sitting there at four hours at a clip playing a game. You know what I think's happening? 10 minutes here, 10 minutes here, 30 minutes here. I mean, I've never played Candy Crush. I'm not making fun of you if you do. But, like, it just seems weird to me to see, like, a 60-year-old woman, like, playing. I don't know. It's just weird. I don't know. Just the way I grew up. It's just like, what's, where am I right now? Like, when I was a kid, we had this thing called Game Boy. Come on now. Can I get a witness? Game Boy? Anybody? All right. Atari. There we go. But, but the Game Boy was that portable thing that you, you always saw the kids playing, right? And now we're all playing the games. And I'm not saying it's all evil, but 4.2 hours in a day? Man. You know what that leads to? It leads to a web of addiction. Look at First Corinthians chapter 10. You know, you know, ask yourself, when you get under the power of something, will it help me edify someone else or not? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, as you turn there, too much screen time is linked to obesity, poor sleep, insomnia, behavioral problems, including impulsive actions. You know what they're not talking about? With a number of the, the gun violence, you know, crimes, the mass killings and shootings, what they're not mentioning is the majority of those people are on drugs, and the majority of those people spend way too much time online, and they won't ever talk about that. All they'll do is isolate the weapon. Why don't we look at the whole picture? Uh, you know, in China, people can't have guns. You know what they do? Crazy people do. They grab knives, and they run through the market, and they slash people up. You getting rid of the gun doesn't fix the problem. It's the human heart. And when you're under the influence of something that isn't right for you, it's going to mess with you. Violence, uh, eye strain, neck and back problems, anxiety, depression, and difficulties with work or school. That's all linked to too much screen time. Uh, First Corinthians chapter 10, you say, what is that? It can, it can be. I'm not saying it is for you, but it can be an addiction. Here's how, here's how you know when it's an addiction. I can quit whenever I want. Do it. I dare some of you to take a week off of social media. I dare you. You know what? You might realize, man, I'm, I'm reaching for my phone and I don't even know why. I'm, I'm going for this. and Wait, I don't, I'm, I'm not doing that this week. That's right. I'm not, I'm not going to look at that this week. Not because it's all evil, but just to give yourself a break. You, you might realize... I talk to people that have had addictions to gambling, and you know what happens? Hey, man, can I borrow 10 bucks? They don't ask for 1,000, they ask for 10. Hey, man, can I borrow 50? Uh, you know, ran out of gas, or, uh, okay. And that's for, you say, why? If I can just get enough to get me to the next one. And what happens, and I'll, 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 I'll mention this in just a second here, I'll, I'll read some things to you. What happens is you get things going on in your, in your mind that are supposed to be elicited by things in nature that God has given us to enjoy, but you're getting those things to fire, those, those chemicals to fire off in your mind, in your brain, uh, because of things that are virtual. And it's constant. It's a need for constant stimu stimulation. That's why 
whenever you sit a kid down today, they have a hard time sitting. You can't teach a kid if they can't sit. And so automatically, what do the, what do the, the authorities do? Because they don't know what else to do. You can't spank the kid. You can't discipline the kid because that's wrong. So you know what they tell you? Take this pill to sedate the kid. You say, why? Because he's been looking at a screen his whole stinking life. They go to the restaurant to eat as a family for the love of God. And you sit down there, here, kid, take a screen. Is that kid part of your family or not? So, so why are you like throwing a screen? Because he can't sit still without it. You're making a monster. You say, what are you doing? Well, you're conditioning the kid to always have something in front of him that's not even you. <laughs> you know why kids as teenagers, you know why they feel more connected to their peers and their own families? That's why. This stuff's powerful. It can be addicting. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And look, if you would, at verse number tw- uh, 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Kind of a, a similar statement to what we read earlier in chapter 6. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but watch this. But all things edify not. You know, before you post something online, before you connect with someone online, before you do whatever you're going to do online, I can ask you to challenge you to do this. Will it edify somebody else? Will it help somebody else in their walk with Jesus Christ? And let me just be honest with you and, and throw this out there. If you've spent any time on there, you've made the mistake of saying something to someone else without realizing the impact it could have with those that are watching. You say, what is it, though? I'll tell you what it is. It's, it, it, it's addiction. It can be an addiction. Uh, let, let me read this to you, and we'll, we'll move on. Social media platforms such as Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram produce the same neural circuitry that's caused by gambling and recreational drugs to keep consumers using their products as much as possible. Do you realize the, the people that created these things, some of them won't let their kids on there? But you want, they want your kids on there. You say, why? Making merchandise of them. Um, at some point, we have to sit back and go, well, who's really behind all this? In the non-virtual world, it's estimated that people talk about themselves around 30 to 40% of the time, right? So like if I'm talking to Joe about my life, I'm going to eventually go, well, how about you, all right? But online, online, people talk about themselves 80% of the time. Do you, do you understand that, that there's a problem with that? And if you're not careful, you can go too far. Well, I'm just posting pictures of my kids. I'm not saying it's all evil, but just what I'm trying to get you to understand is like, th- th- this is a world that is not created for, uh, for Christian living. You are going to have to fight to use it the right way. Does this make sense? Let me give you this in closing. It's the web of comparison you've got to watch out for. See, what do you mean by that? You know what a girl will get on there and do? I'm too fat. I'm not pretty enough. I don't have clothes like her. You know what adults do? I don't have a nice house, as, as nice a house as they do. How come we can't get our kitchen done like that? Did you see that person's car? Did you see that post? You see what happens. You get on there, you start comparing yourself to other people. And you start going, how come I don't have that? And a man will say, how come I don't have her? And you say, what is that? That's not God's plan for your life. You know what that's called? Covetousness. Do you know what covetousness is according to the Bible? Look, if you would, at Colossians. Go to Colossians. I know some of you guys have heard these things before about uh, Colossians chapter 3, about FOMO and fear of missing out and all that kind of stuff. But let me, as you turn to Colossians 3, let me read this to you. Excessive social media use can not only cause unhappiness and a general dissatisfaction with life and users, but it also increases the risk of developing mental health issues such as anxiety and depression. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not saying this is the only reason, but part of the reason why young people struggle so much with anxiety and depression in a time where there's more 
uh, 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 technology. Life is easier. There's so many more benefits to our lives versus 100 years ago. There's more anxiety and depression. Now, you know what part of the reason of that is? Is you're constantly looking at other people living their lives, wondering how come I don't have that and how come I can't be like them. Do you realize sometimes you're looking at someone living their life, you go, I wish I could be that person. And you're probably more that person than that person is that person. They just take good pictures. You understand? Uh, look at, look at uh, Colossians 3. Look at verse number 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. In other words, don't live just to your flesh. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is what? Why would covetousness be called idolatry? I'll give you one guess. Covetousness is called idolatry because covetousness is when you make yourself God and say, I should have this. I deserve this. It's what got us in the mess we're in right now, Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve. I deserve to have that. God's holding me back. When you're constantly, you know what the Bible says in Corinthians? Comparing themselves among themselves, they're not wise. You know what you ought to learn to do? Instead of comparing yourself to other people, compare yourself to Jesus Christ. Your Christian life should not be measured by what other people have. Uh, you know, you look at someone that has some great sports talent, and you go, I wish you could be that person. Well, if you want to live your life at the gym and spend eight hours a day doing that, knock yourself out. But don't just sit there and look at them live their life and go, I wish I had. Like, that's not life. That's not living. Right? That's just slowly dying is all that is. You know what it is? It's covetousness. Where does some of that come from? I'll tell you what, you know what I think about? I think about Ahab and Naboth's vineyard. I want the vineyard. I want the vineyard. I want the vineyard. You know what he ends up doing? He ends up killing an innocent man to get what he wanted. You go, oh, Pastor, I'll never do that. Well, first off, you don't know. We're not, we don't know what we're capable of. But secondly, that's not even the point. The point is this. You don't realize how much you can change when you constantly live your life by comparison. You want to have a joyful life? Unplug a little bit unplug a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that you can't have a device. I'm not saying you can't use it for good. But I'm saying this, if you're a little distracted, if you're a little too much consumed, if you're a little addicted, and by the way, you know what I think? I I think most issues in the Christian life can be fixed by replacing the old things with new things. Amen? If you've got a bad addiction, fill it with a a better addiction. If you've got an addiction that's not healthy, fill it with an addiction that is healthy. Here's a good one. I just want to talk about Jesus everywhere I go. That's an addiction. That's a good one. (laughs) I want to get more of the Word of God in my life. That's an addiction. That's a good one. The Bible talks about those who are addicted to the ministry of the saints over in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And if you want, maybe you're a little too consumed, maybe you're a little too addicted, maybe you're a little too distracted, maybe you're comparing yourself too much to the wrong people. And what I'm encouraging you to do is not so much to go out and burn your devices, but man, learn to understand that there are limits to what you can do with it for right. And when you find yourself going in the wrong direction, put the brakes on. And just because you haven't gone in your mind too far doesn't mean you shouldn't pump the brakes and go, Lord, I want my mind clean. I want my mind pure. I want my mind focused on you. And right now my mind's cluttered. And Lord, I I need help. I want to put everything in the right place in my life. And Lord, when everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. And I want you at the top of this whole entire thing. As a Christian, it doesn't mean that you can't use it, but if you're not careful, as the Bible warns us about, you can find yourself abusing it. And at least as a pastor of this church, I, I want to look out for you guys, and I want you to know that, hey, it can be used for good, but you have to learn to put the brakes on. You have to learn to put some boundaries on. 
Maybe say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to spend as much time online as I give you in your word today. I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm just trying to give you some some suggestions. Maybe it's, you know what, Lord, I'm going to spend as much time scrolling as much as I do talking to others about you. I don't know what you have to, whatever you got to do to limit yourself to put it in the right place in your life, right? Uh, That's what you need to do as a Christian. Let's let's all stand. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. And uh, I'll ask Brother Eric if you would dismiss us in a word of prayer, sir. Thanks for coming out tonight. I hope the word of God was a little bit of help to you, Brother Eric, if you would.